Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey everybody, welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your Chief Lounge Lizard, and welcome everybody to the Game of the Year podcast. Uh, joining me is Todd and Marion, uh, two of our top reviewers here who got to look at many of the games that you ultimately chose as your Game of the Year. Uh, it was uh, uh, Todd and Marion, welcome to the lounge today. Thank you. Hi everyone. <laughs> so, uh, Marion, thanks for joining us. I know you've got uh, I know you've got a Star Wars convention to get to, so appreciate uh, your time today. Um, she'll be filing a bunch of cool stuff from the show. All right, um, let's see. So let's get started with uh, game of the year. So I just want to say in, uh, to start off with is uh, 2016 was an amazing year for games. Uh, I mean it it. It was a real standout year in that we had games all the time, and I thought, well, this is a really standout year. We're never going to see anything like that. And now 2017 it is already starting to beat it. There seems to be a new awesome game every single week, so it's it's just crazy. But hopefully this trend will continue. But let's get into the, uh, the game of the year uh, winners, guys. Um, so let's start with... Uh, uh, let's start with the best RPG category, um, and that one... Uh, there were a bunch in there. Uh, Tyranny, which I really liked on the PC, was was nominated, um, and uh, I, I I guess I could say I voted for Tyranny, but it didn't help it because the two the two uh, titans in that category were Final Fantasy 15 and Deus Ex: uh, Mankind Divided. With Deus Ex, the sci-fi dystopian future game, uh, winning. Uh, the uh, the uh, best RPG. Todd, you you played uh, Deus Ex a lot. What did you think uh, compared to the rest of the series and compared to role playing games in general? Well, I remember how much I hated the human revolution to begin with because yep. of that darn police station stage. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to get through stealthily. I kind of had the same issues with um, with Mankind Divided, but um, remember I played through it twice. Mm-hmm. Originally played it on the PC. And just recently, I went through it on the PS4 because I wanted to see how it how it ran on PS4 Pro. The ending frustrated the daylights out of me trying to get the best ending because, you know, you had to rush that around ten minutes before everybody. Well, spoilers, everyone. Probably <laughs> played it already, but trying to get to uh, a person before he gets poisoned, oh, I wasn't yeah. able to do that. So I'm going to go through it again. But yeah, I really in, really enjoyed the experience of Deus Ex. I mean, I still haven't done the. Um, the extra missions. I'm, I see the one where Pritchard's back. Yay. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stand him, even with his Final Fantasy 38 poster in his previous game. Mm. I forgot how annoying he was. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't done any of the DLCs. I I agree with you on the Deus Ex. Some of the missions were, were hard, but what I liked about Deus Ex was... I mean, this is kind of stupid, but I just liked like hanging out in my apartment and going down to the store to pick up, you know, uh, some some hot dogs or whatever. You know, I mean, it was just I just liked living in their like world. It was really cool. Making selling GTA. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like that. I mean, but I did. I mean, I, yeah, you're not you're not in my position yet of sit, just sitting in my room and listening to different radio stations. No, no, it wasn't quite that immersive. But I did enjoy that the world seemed seemed living it was pretty cool even though it was a terrible you would never really want to live there i mean it was just it was just a depressing 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 george orwell type of type of world but um the other thing that i liked about it was uh and i I, i'm sure you've done this is all the hidden stuff you know if you go up to the roofs or you go up to um 
you go up down into the sewers and stuff, there's just all kinds of like cool things to find. Oh yeah. So yeah, cool. I did I did a lot of exploration on that. Unless I get into an area and I can immediately get labeled as hostile, and I basically have to run for my life. <laughs> definitely, it's definitely. Like, let me freaking explore, people. Um, then uh, the police and that were were so bigoted against the synthetics. Yeah, no, the the police hated you, and they always like were racist against you or whatever. But as soon as you showed them your badge and you ended up outranking them, it was kind of funny how quickly they backed off. <laughs> well, not for me when they had the whole lockdown. I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of your crap. You're all dying. <laughs> <laughs> you killed the police. All right, man. That's cool. Um, but again, you could do anything you wanted, which was a neat, neat thing to the game. All right. Um, the best adventure game. Uh, the game. The readers voted for Firewatch, and Firewatch. Uh, they also got. It also won for a best story, which I agree. Um, amazing game. It was on the PlayStation Four. Um, it's also on Steam now. Uh, you can get it for the PC. Uh, just a great game. I mean, there wasn't a lot that happened in the game. You were a fire watcher, so you're you're out in the middle of the woods with one other person in a tower that you never actually see, but she talks to you over the radio, and you go out and do stuff, you know, and and do like jobs, like besides looking for fires, you find lost hikers and things like that, and then slowly in the game, weird stuff starts happening. But you never really know if it's just kind of a case of the fire watchers going a little stir crazy or if really sinister things are actually happening in the park. And even when the game's finished, people aren't really completely sure what happened. So I, I thought that was kind of um, kind of amazing. So uh, it was a nice game, and, and I'm glad it resonated with folks. So it was a good, good, definitely good adventure game. Um, let's skip ahead a little bit um, to uh, go to Best Simulation, because that's a category that uh, has been... Um, uh, a few years ago, we almost thought about getting rid of the simulation category, because there just weren't enough simulation stuff. This year, we had quite a few, and the winner was a game that you reviewed, Marion. Yeah, Abzu. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what was, what was uh, immersive and, and beautiful about Abzu. Um... It's an underground. It's an underwater world, um, which I mean, I do, there's not many games like that out there. And you're just like this little diver, and you're just exploring the underwater world. There's a lot of different environments. Um, go from a kelp forest to a reef to darker under, deeper ocean environments. I mean, there's sharks, there's whales, there's fish, there's all kinds of creatures. Um, but there's also this mysterious, like ancient civilization you explore. And then you go through doors and you end up in another fantasy world um, with all kinds of lights and bioluminescent creatures. And I mean, there's just so much to explore in this world, but it's just the environment kind of relaxing. I mean, you just go in, you explore, you see things. You're not really attacked by anything. You're not attacking other things. But so the, sharks don't, the sharks don't bother you? <laughs> well, they ha they weren't really bothering me because I kind of just ignored them. <laughs> I mean, they they will come after you if you... Kick um, them or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just ignore them. Um, but you get like a little drone that follows you around. You can lose that, which is kind of sad. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, 
I mean, the music was fantastic as well. It just kind of like immersed you into this underwater world. That so, someone described it. Another reviewer described it as uh, "No Man's Sky underwater." I don't know. <laughs> that, that's so, a, so you talked about the shark. It, it did start to give me a No Man's Sky vibe. <laughs> um, Especially when I'm looking around, and all of a sudden I see. Um, a dinosaur running at me. I'm just like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> the uh, interesting thing about Abzu, or the, one of the many interesting things about Abzu, is that it was originally designed as a virtual reality title. But you, Marion, experienced all the wonder of the game without uh, without a VR headset or anything. So, so you were able to to get into that environment without without the use of uh, the the VR gear, right? I I wouldn't even known it was for VR. It's just, I mean just on a regular monitor it's the colors were just so vivid it just brought you into the game so i i i would not have missed it with vr that's pretty that's it's just fine as is that's, that's pretty cool um so uh the best uh, family game uh which also won not too surprisingly given the family nature of the wii u title uh it won for best family game and best wii u game uh i guess we'll have to add a, a new wii category next year but for this year it was just wii u and uh and that and the best family game was skylanders imaginators um i usually review the imaginators we have a family of uh people that um of kids that uh, review the game for us. They're sort of our uh, gin testers, and uh, Activision is always nice enough to uh, provide a full set of the Skylanders toys for them, and then they give us their feedback. Uh, they loved Imaginators. Uh, the interesting thing about Imaginators was that the Skylanders thing, like they invented the whole... Uh, you know, the toy that you put on a pad and then the toy goes into the game and then you, it saves your progress back on the toy so you can take your toy to your friend's house and if you were level 12, then when you plug in at your friend's house, you're still going to be level 12. And uh, I guess they didn't invent it, but they made it mainstream. Um, but that was getting a little bit tired. So with Imaginators, they did something really cool is they created blanks. So you get these blank uh, these blank Skylanders that they look like Dungeons & Dragons dice, basically, suspended in like a little glass tube and you can turn those into any type of imaginator you want so you build out your hero so you're not stuck with um like kingpin is a bird for instance and he has certain powers you you can make your blank anything you want so so kids get to make their own heroes and then there's a whole thing which activision makes even more money on i'm sure um where you can take your hero and have a t-shirt made out of them uh you can take your hero and have um uh, different uh, items made out of them in game and, and out of game, so so pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure they're making billions on it, but it was a great way to refresh the uh, the genre a bit. So that was clever, I thought, and so did everyone else. All right, uh, moving on to the best shooter category. Todd, I'm going to bring you front and center on this one because this one, I know you hate when a game that's not an exclusive platform title wins uh, for it, but uh, but it also Doom. Uh, the new, the remake of Doom won for best Xbox One game, and it also won for best shooter. What are your What are your thoughts on that, my friend? Well, let's start with the best exclusive. It should have been Forza Horizon Three. Okay. <laughs> Again, like I said, it should be we should have best multi-platform. I know I beat this dead horse so many times, <laughs> but it just makes more sense. It's like when companies are ad advertising games, PS4 exclusives, Activision, but. Um, as far as shooters are concerned, I mean, how many times have I gushed over Doom so far? Uh, a million. So here's here's one more chance. Go. Let's put it this way. Um, <laughs> I'm playing it now. 
<laughs> okay. That's disgusting. So you're playing Doom while you're while you're while you're doing while the recording. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Go, right. go away allows me to think. I mean, I I did not expect this game to be as good as it was. I mean, I've never seen it at E3. Or we were doing a podcast with the with my girlfriend. We were doing a actually I think it was a WWE pay per view, and I told her you guys can watch this. I'm going to watch the Bethesda briefing. And I watched the whole thing with just my mouth dropped. I could not believe that Activision was, or not Activision, Bethesda was getting away with what they were doing, especially the glory kill system. Oh, just just to being so um, so like uh, like bloody, or or what do you mean? Uh, my description of it was: this is the snuff film that I've always wanted to play, <laughs> oh and I stand by that to this day. I mean, it still plays like a friggin' snuff film. <laughs> Do you remember Manhunt on the uh, PS2? Yeah, and I remember. Well, but Manhunt got censored, and and parents groups rose up against it, and there were congressional hearings and everything else. <laughs> uh, this is just as bad sometimes. I mean, how often do you take a guy's head and literally rip it open like it's a zipper? Never thought I'd see that happening. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, how about but, I, I know we're talking about the multi-platform and the whole debate over that, but um, what was your um, what was your uh, thoughts on um, how it played on the Xbox? It, it was very smooth, right? I think you mentioned that in your review. It was it was extremely smooth. I mean, uh, very few times I see it run below sixty, and to me, I mean, that was the achievement itself. Yeah, they use dynamic resolution to adjust that, as most games do today. I mean, right. games like, um, games like, um, what's it called? Call of Duty have been using dynamic resolution on consoles. Oh, yeah. No, that makes and, sense. Yeah. And so they've used it on here, and like I said, to me it's more important to have speed. I mean, I can go through the whole Scorpio debate, and we'll do that later, but not probably in my next column. But, yeah, I mean, um, just how fast it ran, it played great on both on console and PC. I was surprised yeah. my laptop was able to handle it without problems. And it was just, no matter how many times of new stuff coming out, I'm always going back to Doom 2016. Yeah. It's, it's just fun. <laughs> I've not had this much fun in a shooter since maybe Wolfenstein. Well, And uh, they're bringing out, I don't know if you get into this or not, but they're bringing out a lot of DLCs for the game too. So it's nice that they're still supporting it, you know, with, with new maps and things like that. Yeah, plus they're, what I was testing out while recording, I was testing out arcade mode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, allows you to go back through the levels again, plus Snap Map being added. I didn't play much about the multiplayer, but to, from what I saw of it, it was pretty basic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they outsourced it to a company called Certain Affinity, who uh, did the multiplayer. They did also that for, I think, like the Master Chief Collection and some other games. Cool. But cool. to me, it was more the single-player mode, the Snap Map, the arcade mode. They just kept, They just kept going, adding more and more to it. Not to mention, I still love the fact how the Doom Slayer is basically saying, F exposition. <laughs> That's funny. Anytime That's... they try to do a, or a, narrative to do a story mode, you see him like clench his fist. He's like, I, ain't, I don't got time for this. <laughs> There's no punch. story in this game, sucker. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, uh, the well, supposed bad guy, and you're actually working for him, he's like, you do realize you just... You just destroyed a couple billion dollars in revenue. <laughs> and so I was just like, yeah, you know what? Screw you. I'm not here for that. I'm here to kill you. That's funny. Yeah, All right, well, think it's way in the end. Moving on to a title that had story. Like I, said, I could gush forever. 
I, I, I know, I know, I know. But we're not here for your narrative. No, we are. But um, pretty much, yeah, it's screen out. Jo- joining us uh, uh, late to the lounge is uh, Shella. Shella, welcome to the lounge today. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. <laughs> I know it's really good to hear your voice. I've been, I've been following all your uh, podcasts as of lately. I love them all. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, absolutely. Even though I don't, uh, I don't get invited anymore because <laughs> you have a regular well, co-host. <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're oh, oh no! Now everyone's making me feel guilty. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I kind of moved on anyway. <laughs> oh, um, well, we're waiting to do a Mass Effect one. Oh, that's right, so. Shelley. You and I are going to do Mass Effect, and Marion, Marion, you oh. play Mass Effect too, right? Yeah, I'm. So, Getting into it. <laughs> We're going to do a massive Mass Effect uh, Mass podcast. Effect. I'm trying to get into that. For some reason, I just can't. Well, I don't know uh, why. I, I love the trilogy, but this one, I'm just like, I can't get into this. Well, I am definitely into it. E- even even if they, I just I just wish they'd put sunglasses or something on people to hide <laughs> that facial animation crap. But anyway, uh, yeah. I've shown other I've shown other examples of facial animation, but I won't go into that detail yet. Well, um, so Shella, you got here just in time to talk about a game that I know you love. So we're going down the list of the of the um, uh, game of the years, uh, and we're up to best strategy game. And this was an upset category. This was up against Civilization VI, XCOM Two, and the winner was Banner Saga Two. Tell us about why you and uh, presumably thousands of other people love the Banner Saga. Betrayal. <laughs> I thought that was excellent. I was so pleased with the uh, the winners this year. It's like the first year ever I've just been like, wow, Jin readers, you got it right at last. Um, <laughs> but the Banner Saga, well, for a start, they really did a good job of listening to the players in regards to the first game, um, making the combat slightly more in-depth. Um, you had new moves and um new types of troops um there was a sort of um i haven't played it for so long because it was when it came out all the way last year um so the sort of centaur people um they were fantastic and it became more like a game of chess because you had your horses and then you had your archers and <laughs> and you had you had people like shouting things from the sidelines and um yeah it was fantastic and of course it's so beautiful it's one of the most beautiful games ever made. I mean, the art is just gorgeous. It's, it's um, all like it's all like hand drawn and just like story. I know. It's, it's yeah. Amazing. And this it, is a essentially it's a war game. I mean, well, that's a category it won in, but it's like mm-hmm. so much more than that with the story and the beauty and everything, right? Yeah, and the the, the score is just incredible as well. And um, yeah, it's just a really engaging sort of emotional story. Um, yeah. The gods are dead, the world is frozen and dark, and yeah, everything's just going horribly wrong. But there's a beauty in that that they managed to get. And um, yeah, I just thought it came to a really interesting climax, and I know that they're working on Banner Saga 3 at the moment. So Yeah, it's uh, it's moving to uh, console, for one, so people can play it there. The Banner Saga 2 is. It's, uh, oh, that would be nice. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Xbox and PlayStation um, soon. I, actually, I think it's out because we have somebody who's reviewing it on the Xbox platform. Oh, nice. 
So that's cool. Yeah. And then um, and then three, they did the uh, Kickstarter for it, and they got like 20 times the funding they needed in like Wow. Oh, my God. There's going to be so much art in it. It's amazing. Because <laughs> they, they could put they, – they got so much to fund – too that they could put a lot more art in it a lot more sort of cut scenes and stuff which was great um but you played it too right John? oh yeah no i played both i i love the series i do i yeah. really love the series i remember i was the one that gave you some of the combat tips to use your character. yeah yeah that's what i thought because I, I was just like cheap. i never <laughs> i never have a clue but i just i thought the combat was much better this time around didn't you i i did i did i liked it um uh the only the only complaint i have is there's just not enough experience to go around so you kind of have to pick like your three or four characters that you really like using and, and give yeah. the items to them and level them up um yeah because if you try to do everybody you'll just have a low level force that can't get through the final battles so. yeah because there's a really large cast of characters isn't there and well, yeah you have, like 20 guys that are in your yeah. army you know, and, yeah. and archers and, and it's it's interesting so yeah but it's cool it lets you build out a strategy that you want Mhm. Yeah, it does. So, so yeah. I know you've got to. I know you've got to run. Um, but while I have you, um, let me let me get you to also comment on the puzzle game of the year because I believe you were the reviewer on it, and that was Inside. Um, yeah. That you did you did the podcast and YouTube censored you and wouldn't wouldn't let us post it on <laughs> channel for some reason. So, but tell us about this horrible censored game that won puzzle <laughs> game of the year, Inside. <laughs> I don't know why that was. Yeah, this is from the team that did Limbo. And it's sort of, uh, I suppose, a spiritual successor to Limbo. Um, It's sort of similar in style. It has the the, uh, monochrome um, kind of strong visual style that Limbo had. But um, it takes the gameplay further. And it's a really intriguing story. And it's a really unusual game in that it has this massive twist ending which I won't spoiler for people um and it's yeah it's it's just a really I think it's a really good um continuation of what they were doing with Limbo I think a lot of people like one of because we did a podcast on it as well and Drew's one of Drew's criticisms was that it didn't do that much different to Limbo it was just like a longer bigger better limbo but i think what it did was it took limbo and just took it to its end conclusion i have a feeling that the developers will now be done with that concept they can't do it again because inside did it so well and the puzzles are really quite intuitive and they're really cleverly um kind of signposted and the music's fantastic in um, making you kind of like your your heartbeat go up and sort of fluff the puzzles as you're trying to do something. If it's timed or something, the music's really, really clever as well. Um, yeah, but it's really worth a playthrough if, if you haven't played it yet. Obviously, loads of our gin readers have. Thank you, Shella. Do you have to... Um do you have to uh, head out then, or uh, can I keep you for one more minute and just talk okay. about... Okay, because um, uh, I'm skipping ahead so that I can get to all the ones that I know Shella wants to talk about. Because um, poor girl hasn't eaten dinner yet, so we have to. <laughs> um, 
play, the PlayStation 4 game of the year and the best musical score was Uncharted 4 A Thief's End. I did not play that game, so I wanted to see if you wanted to tell us why you thought Uncharted 4 um, got voted for uh, best music and also the best PlayStation 4 game. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it really deserved that um because it was although it's not probably not the best game in the series i'd probably give that to it's a tie between two and three for me on that um uh, you know elena's story she was kind of sidelined to make room for a kind of a bromance well, actual bromance, because it was his brother um who was the, <laughs> the other lead but it was kind of a it's they're the perfect kind of cinematic kind of romping adventure games that you know um the, the gamers have wanted to be able to play you know we, we want to play games that are like films and if you want to play games that are like films play an uncharted game the dialogue is always really snappy and he's just like a great lovable character and he has this sort of really um, great relationship with Sully and his brother considering he's a brand new character they develop him really quickly and he becomes a really welcome part of the trio even if you do miss Elena and um, that element which comes back later so yeah and there are some great set pieces I mean the game looked freaking gorgeous um, the Madagascar level was just stunning I think it's um, you know a game I took so many pictures in because it was just <laughs> stunning all the time um, and yeah so Drake is now retired or whatever so we're not going to have any more Drake games I think that was their thing yeah I, I think that's it that's it for J Drake because we've got the uh, the um, what's the one that's coming out it's with um, Chloe and um, Nadine Ross so it's two sort of they've both been antagonists and kind of allies of Nate's um, in previous games. Nadine was in um, Uncharted 4 and Chloe was in 2 and 3. Um, so, yeah, and they've told us, and Naughty Dog has told us that Nate is not going to be in that game. So, yeah, it'll be exciting to see an Uncharted game without him. Yeah, maybe he can come back as a Han Solo type character. <laughs> Be like, I remember when I was adventuring. Yeah, just so like old. Kill him off afterwards? Yeah, <laughs> fall off a bridge. Like. <laughs> yeah, in a really bad hackney death. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I hope. Not. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shella, thank you so much for joining us. I will let you, if you want to stay, you're welcome to. But but I will let you go. I know you say you you've got to get some nutrition and so forth. Thank you. I gotta get some nutrition, and I've got to woo some aliens in space. <laughs> you know, I've I've been I've been flirting everywhere, so yeah, and, I know flirting with everyone. I'm guessing. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't yeah, played I it. Really need all to talk week, me into getting so. back into that because I just can't. Well, Todd, if you get back into it, you can join our podcast on it. <laughs> yeah. or maybe come on the podcast and uh, yeah, yeah, maybe that'll inspire you. Yeah. yeah, I hope so because. It's been very disappointing for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I need well, to play it a bit more before I can uh, convince people, I think. All right. Well, you're doing the review show, so we're waiting your word. So. I know. I know. <laughs> I, must, I must go. Duty calls. <laughs> right. Take care, Shell. Thanks for joining okay, us. Okay, then. All right. Yeah. Bye. 
so uh, we're up to uh, characters, and uh, we are uh, Lincoln Clay from Mafia 3, kind of the non-traditional hero. And um, Marion, I know that was your game. You, you, you loved, loved that game. So tell us all about Lincoln Clay and why you think that he uh, resonated with the gamers. Um, I think that one of the things that made him good was that he really wasn't, like, the typical, like, godfather gangster. Like, he was, you know, born into it, and um, he he just kind of fell into it um, with his adopted family. Um, mm-hmm. But he was a Vietnam War vet, and I think that's what really brought me to this character, is that he's not just some guy, like, getting into the gang and off the streets, but mm-hmm. he he had that background like he was in Vietnam and he didn't sound like that he really wanted to get into this again he didn't want to get involved in what his family and his family's dealings um, but he just did it because he was loyal to people he wanted to protect them um, so he's kind of conflicted the whole game is, um, is is his, like, family or the people, like, when he gets back from Vietnam, I know it starts mm-hmm. with him coming back from Vietnam, uh, and I was kind of watching some of the trailers, but I haven't played the game yet. So is his family, like, dead? Like, have they been killed or something? Or wh- what's the big conflict? Um, he, he was raised by people since he was small. Okay. Um, but I, um, his person that raised him is involved with the Haitian gang and I that's where it comes in um they attack his they they actually attack a soup kitchen um he was working for a priest from the church and in a soup kitchen feeding feeding poor people of uh, New Orleans and the Haitians just came in and attacked people so he had to go and and deal with that all because they were after him and his his family and and then it just goes on from there. Um, then he gets involved in other stuff and um, but yeah he I don't think he really wanted to get involved in this when he came back. He just kind of wanted to live his life, uh, but I guess he really had nowhere else to go because um, New Orleans sixties being African American wasn't the greatest life. Mm-hmm. And he's a Vietnam War vet, so people weren't looking too kindly on um, war vets back then. Um, oh, so they brought true. in a lot of that. They brought in a lot of that into the game, and you yeah, we forget of... that because these days, you know, it's all about you know somebody says they're in the army, and mm-hmm. you immediately say thank you for your service and all that, and 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 you forget that that's not how it was for a lot of Vietnam veterans. A lot mm-hmm. of them got spit on and stuff when they came back, you know. Yeah, I mean, a good example, look at the lyrics of Born in the USA. Yep, yep. A lot yeah. of people take it as a patriotic song, which it's not. Yeah, you know, you're you're right. And so that's in the game, too. I knew there was the whole racism angle, because Link, Lincoln Clay is black, which, you know, is is, is uh, kind of also unique for a, for a AAA game. Yeah. Um, but, but then there's also the Vietnam stuff. I didn't, I didn't realize that was in the game as well. Yeah, and even the game begins with a disclaimer mentioning about all the uh, racial insensitivity that occurs. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they probably hear to hear and this and then that, and they're gonna there people are gonna be turned off by it. But that's yeah. that's the way it was in the times, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, so Lincoln Clay, a man of the times. Hey, hey, Marion. 
Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I really did like Lincoln Clay. I think that, I mean, he just evolved during the game, um, this conflict, but he kind of said, hey, you know, this is where I'm at. I'm just going to do this. <laughs> and then he just, you know, things just happened. But um, I felt that, I know they, they, they did put that disclaimer, and it was, a lot of stuff was upsetting, and a lot of people would have been turned off, but... Um, they made it like Lincoln Clay was not so much bothered by things. I think he saw some things in Vietnam that he never really wanted to talk about and that coming back to the United States and what was going on didn't affect him um, like you would expect. But, you know, he just he just kind of went with it. But he had a lot of friends that were both black and white um and you know he he did get along with people and people got along with him and um but mainly you know um outlaws <laughs> so they were they were been below um you know going uh beyond the law anyway um but yeah he there was people that um did you know were kind to him and did appreciate him for who he was Cool. It sounds like an interesting that, that, character. Yeah. It sounds like just one more reason to 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 jump in and play Mafia Three. So def, <laughs> definitely cool that they did that that way. Um, moving on to uh, best female character, we have Emily from Dishonored Two. Um, she is interesting, I think, because and I think this is maybe one of the reasons why she got the vote. Um, because I didn't think she had a particularly strong story compared to some of the other characters that were nominated in that category, but we, we, those of us who play Dishonored, we know Emily from when she was just a little girl. And you basically spend the entire first Dishonored doing missions to try to keep Emily safe and to try to make sure that she's able to stay hidden and, and so forth. So I think it was a real treat for a lot of gamers to see her all grown up and a playable character and a total badass um, along with her um, uncle uh, now in the in Dishonored 2. So I, I, I really liked her. Um, but but maybe that was kind of a com- maybe maybe she was the best character if you combine the two games together I don't know something like that um, Todd did you get into Dishonored this time I know you played the last one uh, did you read my best and worst of the year I did not did you give Dishonored two a, be- a worst <laughs> it was like number four in my worst of the year the game frustrated the daylights out of me <laughs> and i hear that it was it was easier to play the other character than it was to play emily too yeah, yeah i played as emily oh and you my did problem okay. is i kept I, I wanted to try to get a high k or a low chaos rating to get the best ending right if sure. you don't breathe on anyone you get a <laughs> low chaos rating or you get an overall chaos rating of high yeah yeah so i mean this is the same situation i had with the deus ex human revolution mm-hmm. and i was just like it got to the point. I was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Blank this game. I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to play this anymore. But as far as Emily, did you like her? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of neutral. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. Fair enough. But yeah, uh, that game just. Ugh. Let's let's move on to uh, a game that. This is odd because this game, in best mobile game, was Pokemon Go. And um, we're not really supposed to say how the votes go or how the votes went, but let me just tell you that it got like 98% of the vote or something ridiculous. I mean, everybody voted for this game. And, I mean, 
No, I didn't surprise didn't surprise me either. It was um it was uh oh and those terrible storms, Todd, that went through you are now here. So if if you hear it sounds like a nuclear detonation outside, it's uh it's just the storms. It was really uh, bad here. Yeah, and a storm just passed here too. <laughs> I just Jesus. got one. <laughs> This is crazy this today, but um, so not a good day to go out and play Pokemon Go, <laughs> probably. But um, but the game I thought it was it was kind of like what I was saying about Skylanders, where it was it it changed the way we think about gaming, and it certainly changed the way we think about mobile gaming. I mean, people are out there on their phones, like seeing these little creatures that don't exist. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. trying to, and trying to capture them at their gym and, and in the park and on a bridge and stuff like that. And, you know, if this was 10 years ago, they would have thought you were freaking nuts if you were out there. Well, did, did, you did hear about the people that fell off the cliff in San Diego because they saw Pokemon. Oh, uh, I mean, I don't doubt it. I've heard about people being mugged while, um, while playing. Yeah. Uh, there's Twitch streams of that. Uh, people have been driving and playing cause it, and uh, and wrecked their cars and stuff. I think that's why they added a, um accelerometer feature. So if you're going too fast, the game like blocks you, so you, you're not you can't run while you're playing or something, and you can't drive while you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's kind of cool. And there's also like little fortresses in the game, like um, and you, if you fight and you can you can own that fortress and like. I remember downtown because uh, those of us in the Washington D.C. area, everything here is about the federal government. And there's like a Pokemon that controls the White House. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, so there's always the thing about you know which Pokemon is in charge of the White House. And for a while they thought it was one of the because um, you have to get close enough to the fortress to be able to play it. So they were like, well, how did somebody? So they were thinking it might have been one of the Obama kids uh, at the time who who controlled the the White House fortress or whatever. So I I don't know, but um, it just it's just a really neat neat concept for a game. So I I was glad I to see it was a mobile game. Um, like Hatcho is trying to get a phone fast enough to play it. Oh, it, it's pretty resource intensive. Well, when I tried playing it on my old phone, which was an LG G3, it would every time I tried to use the camera, the the whole phone just crashed. Hmm. Okay. But I eventually upgraded to an S7 Edge, and it ran pretty decent. So have you caught them all? <laughs> no, I kind of quit after like a couple weeks. It's lost interest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have not played it yet. I know Nate Woolley, our publisher, uh, believe it or not, plays the game pre- pretty a lot. Like, you know, he goes around and plays it um, and goes for his walks and catches them in the park and stuff like that. And, and I don't know if he's caught them all, but he's caught quite a few. Um Somebody in New York, I think, was the first person to catch all of them, and he was on CNN and everything. So that just shows you the influence of this game. So pretty, pretty cool that uh, that that's there. Um, so we talked about the best uh, PlayStation 4 game, the Xbox One game, the Wii U game, and PC gaming. We're almost finished, people. But uh, the best PC game this year, um, and this one, this one won by a fairly wide margin too, and that's Civilization VI. Um, so Todd, what is what is different and better about Civ Six? I mean, the people that don't like Civilization say that it's the same game over and over again, but the people that love it say that you know it improves and it gets better every time. What was it about Six that um, made it uh, a game of the year contender? Well, one of the things that I really like is how they changed the war war system. Mm-hmm. I mean, because with the exception of the French, and this has been a running joke for me since I've been playing it. <laughs> They're the old stereotype of them. 
they're warmongers. <laughs> even, okay. at the, even in the ancient era. And what's supposed to happen is they, were, they had a new policy called Cassus Belli, which means just have a, a reason to go to war. Like if you had a, if you had a company, country invaded, if you want to liberate someone, but by doing that holy war, it'll um, it reduces the warmongering penalties that usually occur if you just say, you know what, I'm tired of you, I'm going to war with you. Mm. So I mean that was one of the main elements I liked. I mean there's still a lot of things that I wish they would add. I mean like there's no there's no World Congress like there was in um, in SIP five, mm. but if right. I remember correctly, World Congress was not available until the Brave New World expansion. Yeah, it came later. It so came I'm later. I'm sure that's going to happen again with Civ Six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing for me is just a side note: the decision to have Sean Bean as the narrator was genius. He's good. He's really good. Really they always good. have good, well, but they always have good narrators. They have had Leonard Nimoy. Um, yeah, Wayne uh, Shepard. Yeah, Wayne, yeah, Wayne Shepard. Um, just just really good narrators. But uh, Sean Bean did a fantastic job. Yeah, the bad news is I wrote in my review saying that he survived. He didn't. Oh, okay. All if you right. watch the opening, he gets shot down in World War II. Oh, gosh, I didn't know that. I'll have to go back and look. I mean, his uh, plane gets so damaged, it cuts to the uh, future on, on board the space shuttle, and you see his picture there. The one thing that I will mention as a very, very slight negative, and this is kind of more – this is this goes back to – Todd, remember, you don't, you don't talk about this much anymore, but you used to talk about how you hated PC gaming because um, you were always getting um, – your hardware was always getting edged out of you, where you couldn't do the most modern games. And that happened. Uh, Greg Crow um, tried to play Civ Six, and it wouldn't let him because he didn't have, you know, the latest uh, some sort of shader driver or something on his thing. You know, you needed to have the the latest and greatest uh, to play it. Which I guess, seems weird for a strategy game. I'm guessing uh, using GeForce Experience is kind of helping me with that because Civ Six ran amazing on my laptop. That's cool. That's cool, and it does look cool with the whole the parchment map that kind of oh, unfolds and yeah. everything. Yeah. Right. Gorgeous. It is an so absolutely cool. gorgeous game. And I'm so, also glad to see they went back to the uh, cartoonish style uh, world leaders that they did in Civ 4 and Civ Revolution. Yeah, it gets away from that, what is that, that golf of reality or whatever, where they looked a little too real and too weird. So the cartoons... I mean, even though I do miss Montezuma's nightmarish background. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. Here's All right. Here's when he's about ready to kill somebody. So, so we're up to the overall game of the year, and uh, had a lot of strong contenders, most of which we already talked about. Um, but the winner was uh, Final Fantasy XV. Um, I voted for Final Fantasy XV uh, because, um, for me, I usually for game of the year, I usually do a pretty strict. Um, the way I vote, whatever game I spent the most hours on that year is the one that I usually vote for. Um, and Final Fantasy 15, I was not expecting much because I did not like most of the other Final Fantasies, and uh, I was pretty much hooked on Final Fantasy 15 right from the very beginning, where you're getting ready to start your adventure and your car breaks down and they play Stand by Me, oh, and God, yeah. yeah, and you're like pushing the car into the distance, and it's like it's just it's telling you this game's going to be about these four friends who are on this awesome road trip, and it's just, I was like, oh, crap, I'm hooked. You know, I'm going to be here for a long time. Um, and in addition to um, winning uh, Game of the Year, it also won for Best Atmosphere, which I think was 
realistic. Um, the, the screenshot we used for the best atmosphere was the four of them playing a pinball game. You could do stuff like that. And, um, and, uh, and they, they continued that atmosphere, too, with the DLCs. Did you play the, the Carnival when it came out? Uh, no, because uh, Final Fantasy XV was a rental. So oh, the, out, I had to send it back, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. The carnival was really cool. You could go around and do all kind of um, chochabo racing and, and stuff like that. And it, it was fun at the carnival. It was just a fun little diversion, I guess, or whatever. But, um, but Todd, what did, you, what did you think about that or game of the year? What was your thoughts? It was my number five pick, which I'm sure a lot of my rear surprised to see concerning my past history with Final Fantasy. Yeah, you you I, you hate Final Fantasy. <laughs> what you know, about when it arrived from when it arrived from Gamefly, I was just like uh I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. I return it. But somebody warned me it's like it controls like Witcher Three. So I was like, Oh you know much I love Witcher Three. And everyone was right about it. I mean the combat was actually enjoyable. Mm-hmm. No spells, no waiting ten 15 minutes for Supernova to finish. No stupid gimmicks like drawing like in Final Fantasy VIII. Mm-hmm. No triple triad. It was just get in there, kick some major button, and get out. Oh, and the fast. warping. You have to get your warping down. When you start to get hurt, you can warp out and grab like a tree branch or a, a tower or something. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then you can get those powers... So when you warp back in, it like breaks the parts off of the monsters and stuff. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, the, I, I had absolutely no problem with that. It was actually a gimmick that actually worked. And also made fun of every time Ignis came up with a new recipe. Oh, yeah, I so, learned a new recipe. It sort of became a joke because there's a wrestler named Chris Jericho who looks like him. Uh-huh. And his gimmick is he has a list. Oh, man. You know, uh, I'll tell you a quick joke about the carnival. So at the carnival, the DLC at the carnival, you are by yourself. The other the other three guys don't come with you. I don't know if it's a dream world or whatever, but your little fox friend is there, so it's probably a dream or something. But anyway, um, you go to the Square Enix Cafe. It's actually called that. And you, you order a cheesecake, which helps you fish. And you can order something else that helps you, uh, I think it gives your chocobo maximum endurance, um, these two dishes. And when you order them, you learn the recipe, but, but Ignis isn't there. So, uh-huh. it, so it has Nock saying it, in, he's like pretending to be Ignis, and he goes, I have learned a new recipe. <laughs> and it was, it was so hilarious. Oh. Yeah, I need, so, to go, I need to go back into it. I mean, the game really surprised me. Really cool game. So, so Marion, there you go. You're going to be tempted to come play uh, Final Fantasy 15 with us. <laughs> yeah, I actually haven't played a Final Fantasy game. Oh, cool. Well, you you would be so you're like the you're like the third type of person they're looking for. They're looking for people who love the series, people who hate the series, and people who have never played. <laughs> well, like I said, when you load the game up, it says a Final Fantasy for fans and first timers, and that's right on the money. <laughs> It, it is. Everybody – Michael Blaker, uh, who is who's the example of the person who loves Final Fantasy and all things Final Fantasy, loved Final Fantasy XV. Todd is an example of someone who hated all the Final Fantasies and loved Final Fantasy XV. So, Marion, we'll see what you what – you, when you start playing it, you'll have to let us know if, if someone who's never played it uh, also loves it. So, But in any case, it's our game of the year. So, guys, we are – um, way over. Our, our Game of the Year shows always go long, so that's okay. But I wanted to thank you both for joining us today. Ain't no problem at all. 
And uh, I don't really have a final question for you um, other than I might just ask this. So, uh, I'll ask it of Todd, and then I'll, I'll let Marion answer it as well. But, Todd, I know you're, you're sometimes critical of uh, Game of the Year um, votes. I mean, uh, what, was, what was the one? <laughs> hearts of Hearts of uh, Our Darkness not- compared to StarCraft. Yeah, Hearts of Darkness won over StarCraft like a million years ago. Um, but what did you think about this year? Did you think the Gen Readers got it right? I know Shella seemed to be pretty pleased. Well, aside from my usual uh, multiplayer or multi-platform rants mm-hmm. and my feelings towards Dishonored 2, they pretty much got it. So oh, that's cool. I'd probably give strategy to XCOM 2, mm-hmm. but just by a very slim margin. It did come in at number two on my list compared to... Um, Sid, which came in at number three. I see. I see. Makes sense. Makes sense. And Marion, what do you think? Um, this is this is one of your first years with the game of the year uh, thing. What did you think? Did the did the readers get it right? Um, I didn't play a lot of those games, so I I don't know. But um, the ones that I have played and that were picked, I they made a good choice. <laughs> um, I I I think I would have gone with a better um, the I know the best female character. I I was reading what was uh, the choices, and I actually wanted, I, w- I went with Sumika from Love Love, and I think oh. Love Love was in, in, in there. Um, I thought that was a great story, great art, great characters, great everything. So I, I voted for Sumika, too. I voted for Sumika, too. I, I looked at she was the traditional kind of choice of the t- kind of the kind of female character that normally wins. She uh, was one character. of those characters that actually evolved other characters, and that's kind of what I was I look for when I go best characters. Like, hey, they have a good evolution, but how do they interact with others, and how does others evolve from them? Oh, cool! I didn't think about that. That's I'm gonna have to consider something like that for next year, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, everybody, thanks for joining us. Um, if you'd like to comment, uh, our email is ginlounge at gameindustry.com. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Twitter. We're at ginlounge. We'd love to hear a tweet from you guys. Um, and, of course, we're at our main page at gameindustry.com. We're also on Facebook. Oh. And we are on uh, uh, Pinterest. Uh, we are also loved by dogs. Um, so there, there we go. So. We're, 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 we're there for you. Let us know what you guys think. Until next time, uh, we will see you right here, and may you constantly play the best games, or may the games you play be games of the year, or something along those lines. Take care, everybody.